Hello, and welcome to Right Now with Ralph Martin, a podcast where author, speaker, and worldwide renewal leader, Dr. Ralph Martin, shares what the Holy Spirit is stirring up in the church right now, words of encouragement from the Lord to strengthen you for such a time as this. We are glad you can be with us this week as we seek to encourage you for this moment in history. And now, your host, Ralph Martin. Hey, welcome to another exciting, wonderful, inspiring, refreshing week. And today we have another great guest, and we have Anthony DeLuca from Providence, Rhode Island. And we're just going to have Anthony tell a story. You know, Anthony's just a guy like so many of us are, and, and, and the Lord's worked in his life in a wonderful way, just like he wants to work in all our lives. Welcome, Anthony. Thank you. Yeah. Well, just start at the beginning, Anthony. You were born, and then what happened? I'm very blessed at a young age was was introduced to the church very young and, and, and enjoyed going to the church, getting involved in church events. Um, being a child, though, I didn't understand what it was I enjoyed, but in, with childlike wisdom, I liked it, so I did more of it. Yeah. You know, by, by, by the time I was an altar boy, I found myself going to daily mass uh, all, all, all summer long. And, and the more I was exposed to the word, the more I was exposed to the sacraments, the more I wanted to be there. Again, no understanding why, just I like this, it makes me feel good, and mm-hmm. I'm going to continue to do yeah. it. I was on that path to probably till I was about 15 years old. Mm-hmm. My life changed at that point. My parents got divorced, and I didn't know how to deal with that too well, and I wasn't mm-hmm. sure what I should do. Somehow, some way, though, I blamed God. Not consciously, but definitely in my actions. Um, within probably four months, I had stopped going to Mass altogether. Mm-hmm. Had no more prayer life. Mm-hmm. The same word that had been transformed me that had been changing my life now the opposite was happening now I was I was being influenced by the world and I didn't know what I could do to get the peace back that I had had mm-hmm. especially not understanding where that peace was coming from when I did have it I, I I turned to the world I thought that maybe finances would could would change my life maybe if I I just made a whole lot of money would would bring me peace and bring me happiness and you know at 16 years old I didn't know where to get that so I, I immediately I, I turned to gambling mm-hmm. and Within, a, within two years, I found myself in a complete illegal, immoral lifestyle mm-hmm. where my whole life just revolved around illegal gambling on, the, on a day-to-day basis. Um, of course, that didn't solve my problems. It just, it just started creating new ones. Back then, of course, no one was online at that point. It was just mostly with the, the local bookmaker on the corner. And, you know, at 18 years old, working for the United Way and, you know, making a couple hundred dollars a week but betting a couple thousand dollars a week on games and money, I had no way to pay when I did lose. So this downward spell just kept continuing. I didn't know where to go. I took an, another job to help me pay off my gambling debts. Um, I took a job in promotional marketing. And I got real good real fast in this industry and, and started to make some money. Uh, an industry that definitely didn't glorify the Lord, an industry that was, while it wasn't illegal, definitely wasn't a moral industry. Um, but I, I didn't see it that way at the time. I saw it as a, as a way to me, me to get that peace that, that I wanted so bad in my life because finances was going to solve all my problems. Like you're promoting like beer or cigarettes or stuff like that? Like, Well, more, more, more like the little postcards you get in the mail where if you, if you buy this, this, and this, you're going to win this, this, and that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, you that know, kind of promotional right. stuff. And, yeah, and right, it's yeah. Sort of, a, you know, just, just, just a big sizzle. Things, and, yeah. and, 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 and while it wasn't illegal, yeah. it was definitely the wrong thing to do. It was definitely, you know, taking advantage of people's emotions mm-hmm. and people would send them money. They had no business sending in. Yeah. But I got good fast and, and started moving up the ladder. By 1996, 
I was living a life that in the world looked like I was living a real, real good life. I'm 26, 27 years old at the time. I didn't really have a formal education. I had, uh, due to a wrestling injury, I had dropped out of college years, years earlier. And, but at 26, 27, I'm overseeing a sales organization of 80 to 100 salespeople. Mm. I've got a six-figure income. Mm-hmm. I'm living in a nice house, driving a nice car, eating at all the fancy restaurants every night. And looking at me, I had it made. Yeah. Yeah, you, that, would, that would be the dream that most people say, I want to get there where Anthony was. Yeah. You know, from what I read, from what I seen, from what people told me, that's where I was supposed to be. Yeah. And I had it, but I had absolutely nothing. I had no peace in my life. I had no joy in my life. I was always looking over my shoulder, and I couldn't figure out why. And the only thing I could understand was, well, maybe I just got to get to the next level financially, and that will bring me that peace. That will bring me yeah. that joy. Yeah. So if I can go from the six-figure income to the seven-figure income, then I'll be a happy, peaceful man. I'll have that peace that I had from my childhood that I had in the church that I didn't know mm. where it come from. Wow, yeah. A bigger house, bigger car, yeah, better restaurants. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I was definitely, you know, I was running on the little hamster wheel because yeah. no matter what level I got to, it was not bringing me any more peace. If anything, it was bringing me down more and mm. more and more. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and the more I got, the worse it got. Mm. The less peace I had, the less happy I was with myself. But then 1996, I had some real tragedies that happened in my life. And by that point, you know, I was the man in the scripture who had, who had built my house on sand. Mm. And when the tragedy came, I was not prepared for it. In March of 1996, my father was only 46 years old at the time he passed away. Uh-huh. And it really threw me for a loop. We were real mm-hmm. close. And I had been living in Buffalo with this company that I worked for. And um, so I decided, well, it's, it's time to move home now. It's time to be close to my family. I need to grieve my father and be there. Um, at the same time, I wasn't happy with my six-figure income. I had this new business opportunity I was going to get involved with that was going to bring me to the next level. So I'm going to move out to Rhode Island, move back home, and, and do this. Three months after my father died, my business failed completely. Mm-hmm. So I'm still grieving my father, and now I'm bankrupt on top of it. Mm-hmm. I, I can barely pay the bills. Mm-hmm. I was in a relationship at that time that definitely wasn't the relationship the Lord had for me, but it was all I had left at that time. Yeah. Everything else was gone in my life. Yeah. Within a few months, I destroyed that relationship. Yeah. I remember December of 1996, I'm sitting on the couch and I, I, I can't get off of it. I, I, every, everything that I, that I think I'm supposed to have is gone. I have no way now to search for the peace. I, I could barely get out of, out of the bed. I had to get up, though. One day, it, was, it just turned New Year. I had to get up. And it was January 4th, 1997. I had to get up and, and, and go give a seminar at the Providence Marriott. As Providence would have it, during this time, this business that was failing, I had met Don and Pat Turbot who were mm-hmm. also getting involved in, in, in a similar business. Mm-hmm. And they were involved in the seminars that, that, I, that I would give each and every week. Mm-hmm. And that, that day I pulled myself off the couch and wiped my tears and went out and did the seminar like I normally would. And at the end of the night when we were cleaning up the room, only ones left were Don and Pat Turbot and myself. Mm-hmm. I started explaining to them a little bit about what was going on in my situation. They could, they could sense something. And something was drawing me to them and I didn't know what it was. I thought, man, well, they're just nice people. Mm-hmm. And they asked me that night, can we pray with you? <laughs> and, you know, I didn't have a whole, a whole lot, a big reaction to it. I, you know, sure. I knew it couldn't hurt me. Yeah. And they were nice people, so if they want to pray with me, I'll, I'll do them the favor. I'll yeah. let them pray with me, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be a nice guy. And, and they prayed with me that night in the Marriott and asked the Lord to come back into my life and mm. asked the situation in my life to change. And I, I didn't think a whole lot of it. We sat there for about five minutes. But I remember walking to the car. And immediately something told me, everything's going to be okay. Wow. Isn't that great? Oh, it was yeah. unbelievable. The feeling that 
a feeling of peace that I probably hadn't had in 10 to 12 years yeah. since I walked out of the church. You had reconnected with the source of peace. Well, for the first time, I understood where the peace was coming, uh, where yeah. the, my past peace had yeah. come from. I didn't know how, though. I didn't know way. Right. The circumstances had not yet changed. I still, in the world's eyes, had nothing. Mm-hmm. But I knew I had more than I ever had at that moment. So that's mm. something. You know, shortly after that, of course, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, and just couldn't get enough of everything. Fell in love with the scriptures. Mm. Fell in love with the church and the sacraments. Couldn't, you know, couldn't get involved in, enough. Couldn't do more. And I thought, this is it. Now, I've, now, I'm, now my life's complete. This is all I have to do now. I, 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 I'll just follow the Lord. But I was kind of living a half a Christian life. I was striving to live the great commandments, but had no idea about the great commission. And it was, it was in no way moving in that direction. But the Lord, once again, kind of shook things up a bit. A few months into this honeymoon with the Lord, I get a letter in the mail from the FBI saying that they wanted to indict me on my past business. Mm. And I didn't think a whole lot of it at the time. I said, you know what? We were in business. We, we closed down. I knew, it was, I knew it was an immoral business, but I, it was a legal business. So I kind of ignored it. And, and plus, I'm serving the Lord now. I'm not going to worry about this. Yeah. And I kept getting more and more letters. And I kept ignoring them until they finally did indict me. And they told me, you need to come down to Buffalo. You've been indicted. And offered me some type of uh, deal where they would give me probation for a couple of years. And, and that would be the end of it. But I said, I didn't break the law. So I'm not going to go for this. Let me, let me fight them. Let me go to trial. And I took the government to trial. On March of 1997, I was, I was convicted and four counts of wire fraud, and one count of conspiracy, and sentenced to 48 months in a federal prison. Wow. And at first, as I was going through it, I didn't understand it. I said, you know, here I am. I'm, I'm serving the Lord the way I think I should. Why, why should this be happening? Yeah. But, but through the trial and, and constantly going to Scripture, I became more understanding of the fact that I may go to jail, but more peaceful with the fact that I may go because there must be a real good reason for it. Mm-hmm. September of 1998, I turned myself into Allenwood Federal Prison Camp in Pennsylvania. And, well, yeah, culture shock to start with. You know, it's not, not, not something you're used to. But from the very moment I walked in the door until the time I left, the Lord was with me the entire time. Wow. Wow. You know, you, you, in, in a prison environment, 800 men in this prison, and men are walking around with their heads down. They're depressed. They're down. You know, they're mm-hmm. away from their families. They're mad at the government for whatever reason. And, and it's a bad environment. And I remember in, being in the visiting room and the, the men would just be piling the problems onto their families, how bad it was, how horrible mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. And I would sit there and explain to my mother, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm not having problems. I don't want to be here, of course. Yeah. But I'm okay. I'm peaceful. And my mother and my family would say to me, wow, what a, what a great attitude you have. But it wasn't me. You can't be sad if you're not sad. You can't be depressed if you're not depressed. And it, it was just the Lord totally protecting me this entire time. So wonderful. So oh, wonderful. It, unbelievable. In a, in a bad environment where I'm supposed to be down, the Lord's preserving me. We're talking today with Anthony DeLuca from Providence, Rhode Island, who's telling us the wonderful story about how he grew up knowing the peace of the Lord without knowing exactly what it was, and a devout Catholic, going to church, altar boy, and... Then after his parents got divorced, uh, trauma set in and, and began to go into a different direction and eventually ended up in jail. And, but before he got to jail, he found the Lord again and, and, and really got his life recentered and really got to know what that source of that peace was when he was a young boy growing up. And 
now he's in prison and he's supposed to be depressed and angry and, and yeah. despairing and he finds himself free in Christ. So you're in prison, you're telling your mom that during visiting hours that you're actually okay. I'm actually okay and, and, you know, and her response is, you know, how great I'm handling this. But, you know, and, and my response is it's not me, I'm not handling it because it's only God that can give me this peace. I'm in the same situation as the man next to me, there's nothing yeah. different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only difference is I've, I've made this small, small commitment to the Lord, and yet he's made this large commitment back to me to, to give me peace, to give me joy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just me. There was a, there was a handful of good Christian brothers there who, who were all walking around with joy, all mm-hmm. walking around mm-hmm. with peace. So you connected with other Christians in the prison. So connected with other, the, the fellowship was uh, amazing there. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we, we, we had a church that, that was set aside on the compound. And, and when we were there, and we were there praising the Lord together, we were in prison. Yeah. We were in a t- another place that, that the, other, the other 800 guys weren't at that time. You know, the lessons the Lord taught me and Joe, I could t- talk to you all day about. But a, a couple that really stand out, that really, really impacted my life. One of them was to be able to trust that God's will was good for me. Mm. You know, when I would get to the, read the scriptures and, and, and get to the agony in the garden, that's something I read through quick. That was never a prayer that I wanted to make my own prayer. I still had a little bit where I, I wanted to be in control of things. And, and what's God's will? Is it going to be the same as what I want? I want to serve God, but kind of on my terms. Part of my original sentence and what I had a 48-month sentence. And part of it was halfway through, I would get transferred to this boot camp type environment where I would stay there for six months. Mm-hmm. And that six months would take about a year off my sentence by completing this program. So I immediately signed up for it and did everything on my end I was supposed to go. When it was time to go... They told me, after I'd been there about a year and a half now, you can't go. Um, there's been some problem. Mm. And I had found out the problem really was that somebody in the prison system had not filed my paperwork correctly. Oh. So I was furious. And, you know, I, I went to the Lord, you know, and I was indignant. This is justice. I, I deserve to go there. I'm supposed to go there. And, and, and this was my prayer every night. Lord, I'm supposed to go there. Send me to this boot camp. And while this prayer is going on, I'm going through all the the legal system, I'm, I'm, I'm filing the paperwork to the warden and then to the region and to the Bureau of Prisons and finally mm-hmm. to Washington and everything takes a, a few months. So yeah. the whole process is probably about six months that I'm going through this. And, but every night, my prayer is the same. This is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want. And, and I was getting no results at all. And I just kept getting back rejection, rejection, rejection. One night I was out walking and praying and, I, and, I had this, and I'd opened the scripture and asked the Lord for a word. And he brought me to the agony in the garden and of course it's Something I'm familiar with, but something I'd read over. But that night, he made that prayer mean something to me. He, he, he made it somehow, somehow he touched my heart through, through that scripture. And for the first time, I actually said, Lord, whatever you want, your will, not my will. I want to go to this boot camp, but if you want me to stay here longer, there must be a real good reason. Your will be done. And that night, I went to bed and slept one of the most peaceful nights I had ever slept. Six months of battling day in and day out for this. And I'm sleeping totally peaceful that night. Hmm. I get up the very next morning and I'm walking through the compound and I hear my name announced over the loudspeaker. First time in two years, almost two years, my name's announced. I run down to see what they want. I said, pack your bags, you're going to the boot camp today. Isn't that something that the wow. night after, the day after you yeah. made that surrender yeah. in, the, in your agony in the yeah. garden? Yeah. And I surrendered to God's will. God's will was what I wanted in the first yeah. place anyways. It was Powerful. such a lesson, and, 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 and I'm a hardhead, so I've learned that lesson many times since <laughs> yeah. then, but it's, it, it's, it's been such a blessing. And, he, and the times when 
the Lord's will hasn't matched up exactly what I've been asking for. It's always been something better anyways. And I've always looked back and said, wow, you were right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the second big, big lesson I learned, though, there was on evangelization. I knew when I was going there, there was going to be a great time for me for spiritual growth. But I also knew there was going to be some responsibility to help build up the kingdom. I had no idea how to do this. Again, I'm, I'm trying to live the great commandments, but I'm not thinking about the Great Commission at all. But through prayer, I said, well, Lord, I, I know you want me to do something here, but I don't know what and I don't know how. So I, I looked around and I watched some of the guys who called themselves evangelists and seen, tried to see the, what they were doing. And it didn't, the way they were living their lives weren't makes, wasn't making sense to me. I seen guys that really knew the scriptures inside and out, back, back and forth. But these guys would have the scripture in one hand and have the dirty magazine in the other hand. Mm, mm. They would be carrying their, their Bibles into the, into the chow hall, but sneaking food out in their pockets on the way out. Mm. And they were evangelists. Mm. But there was no fruit. Mm. There, was, there was no one found. And I said, Lord, I want to be an evangelist here. What is it you want me to do? And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And, and, and the Lord led me to, to St. Francis. And led me to a, a, you know, his probably most famous quote that we've all heard, but again, I had never thought it. And St. Francis, Francis tells us to evangelize every day. Use words if you have to. And the Lord made it very clear to evangelize here, it's all going to be in how you act. And I committed myself to, to living the best Christian life that I could live while I was there. To follow all the rules, even the dumb rules. Just be, There was authority and I had to follow the rules. And within a short period of time, men were coming to me, asking me about the Lord. Well, I still didn't know the scriptures the way these guys did. Yeah, right, Back and forth, right. up and down. Yeah. But men were coming to me. And it was just and all how I was trying to act. The, the Lord really blessed me in the situation. He allowed me to, to bring 13 men through the sacraments for the first time. And all men that sought me out, I wasn't looking for them. Is that something? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like Jesus said to the, to the scribes, you search the scriptures, but you refuse to come to me for life. And so the, what the scriptures are supposed to do is lead us into this relationship that you had. And that, that's, that's what they're for, to lead us to that relationship rather than to be things in themselves that are like sure. puzzles that we try to figure out. Or, yeah. So that's, that's beautiful, Anthony. Yeah, the words and the knowledge I mean, of the, the men had didn't mean anything. It was, it was the actions that, that were drawn yeah. in. And yeah. gosh, it was easy to evangelize them then. Jesus says, yeah. if you love me, do what I tell you. You know, live the life that I'm asking you to live if you love me. Yeah. And so again, I mean, that's, you know, they could tell you all day about the experiences. You went to the boot camp and... Went to the boot camp, yeah. completed that, and went to the halfway house for a few months. Yeah. And wore a little bracelet on my leg for a couple more months. And the yeah. whole ordeal was about three and a half years and then another three years of probation. Good. And how have things been since you've been out? Things have been good. The, the one thing that I missed, which is why the direction I go now, is the fellowship was great there. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, you had a captive audience. Yes, it was easy. There was no, nothing else to do. But the fellowship was great. You really had strong we, we, bonds in Christ with other guys. Yeah, yeah. We were related. Yeah. And when I, when I got released, I couldn't find that in the church. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't sure where to go, and, and I needed it. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, still being involved with, with Don Turbot, he introduced me to Men of St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. He was the coordinator in, in, of the Rhode Island organization. Of course, Men of St. Joseph is an organization started in, um, out in New Hampshire designed to bring men to Christ, but designed to bring men to Christ through fellowship. Mm-hmm. And when he asked me to, to, to serve on the committee for the diocese for this, I jumped at the opportunity. And, and one of the things the Lord has really taught me through it is, I always thought my problems were my problems. My struggles were my struggles. Mm-hmm. And, and nobody else had anything different, so I couldn't share them and I couldn't learn. Mm-hmm. But what I found is that we started to get together with other men. 
our struggles are all in the same couple areas. Mm -hmm. Nobody's getting anything unique. Right, right, right. Something I'm going through today, my brother went through yesterday. Mm -hmm. And he, he can spiritually help me through these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. So you've been working with the men's so St. Joseph. Man. Our, our goal right now is to, is to start a small men's group in every parish in Rhode Island. Yeah, great. And great. help bring men to Christ that yeah. way. Well, men are really struggling today. Yeah. And the feeling of worthiness it brings to is, you know, I thought my struggles were so unique that my brothers who I looked at as super saints couldn't be going through these same thing. They kind of, wow, if, if, if these guys can struggle with them, you know, and overcome them and, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. they are, I'm not alone. Yeah. Anthony, we only have a few minutes left, but could we just take a minute or two and just speak directly to the men who may be listening to you today, just what's on your heart, what you'd like to say to them, just from your heart, what you'd say to men who are, who are watching us today. Well, you know, I mean, we, we all have our own struggles. We all have our own problems. And, you know, if God can find me in the situation he found me in, a man addicted to gambling, a man addicted to all the trappings in the world, a man who had, who had no respect for anything but himself, and pull me out of that mess, he can definitely do the same for you. If God, if, 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 if God can be found behind the walls of a prison, we can certainly find God anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's really true. And it's true for women, too. There's you know, everything Anthony said about what he wanted in life. You know, women want those things, too. They want money. They want security. They want glamour. They want, you know, to be popular. They want to succeed and all those things. And sometimes they think if I could just have better clothing, if I could just have more money, if I could just have a better car or a better husband or a better boyfriend, uh, you know, that I'll, I'll be happy. The secret to happiness for men and for women is to be who we were created to be, to, to accept the fact that we're, that we're creatures, to accept the fact that we're being offered the tremendous gift of being sons and daughters of God and take our security of having God as our father and Jesus as our brother and the Holy Spirit as our comforter and really let our life be filled with the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as, as the rock of the point of stability, the point of peace, and everything else will come that's supposed to come. We'll have what we need to eat and drink and the fellowship we need, and we just need to really let go and let God. Until next week, this is Ralph Martin and Anthony DeLuca and many, many men and women who are running on that hamster wheel who have gotten off because they've gotten into relationship with Jesus Christ. This podcast is brought to you by Renewal Ministries, part of the Renewal Podcast Network. If you are enjoying this podcast, we invite you to help us spread the word by leaving us a rating or review, following or subscribing to this podcast, or sharing on social media. Until next time, this is Right Now with Ralph Martin.